Here we go with the John Curley Sherry Elliger Show. You coming along for the ride, and somebody's going to get on the radio at 5.30, play the know-it-all quiz. Plus, also, Joe, see if anybody that plans on going to the protest would like to explain to us more about um, some of their thoughts about, um, well, how the the latest bombing has really affected them there with uh Hootsies. Find out if somebody wants to tell us more about why they're involved with that. And then also the relationship between the Hootsies and Iran and Saudi Arabia and Yemenis and um, Syria. If they can explain the entire thing, that would be great. Because I assume they must know what they're doing since they're going to be out there protesting and stopping people from driving where they need to go. So anybody out there that wants to let us know, if you're going to the protest, we'd love to hear from you. one 973 54 Seven six. It's a complicated international sort of uh, uh, hornet's nest of problems, and maybe they could help us better understand it all. All right, sounds yeah. good. Dive, dive in it. All right. Well, look at this. Alaska Airlines are writing checks. Um, what are they going to give you here? This is uh, Alaska Airlines paid fifth. Is it fifteen hundred bucks? Fifteen hundred bucks for the passengers that are on twelve eighty two. Um, that is, uh, that's the flight that had the plug come out and then they had to return. They had to turn around and land in Portland and, um, $1,500 Sherry. And then I think you also get a, uh, breakfast certificate to Sherry's. So not so bad for the people <laughs> yeah. there. Huh? But I see, well, I see there are people already suing. There's people already in there hoping to get even more money than that. So one of the lawyers that was asked in this article, that he called this uh, uh, offensively low uh, mm-hmm. to only give them $1,500. This is something airlines do, and they call it an immediate gesture of care. So right. it's 1500 bucks for you to go and, I guess, get help or decompress from what has happened to you on this plane. Now, six people have filed potential class action lawsuits. This is against Boeing, not against Alaska Airlines. Right, right. And so they've gotten their tickets refunded for that flight, and they have a 24 access to mental health care through one of Boeing's partners, I guess. Um, but they're saying there's a lot of other things that went on. For instance, some people say that the, the oxygen didn't work when the oxygen mask came down. Um, other people oh. say that, you know, there was a lot of health consequences as a result of this. They psychologically are impaired because they are f- afraid to fly now so this is not going away quickly and they're mm-hmm. definitely going to have lawsuits <sighs> yeah they're going to sue boeing because boeing's got the bigger pockets on this thing right they're at fault on it so you're going to have to in order for that you're going to have to show that boeing knew or in some way was reckless in how the bolts were put back on um, and that they knew that they were supposed to put them on, they didn't put them on correctly, and therefore there's the liability on them, right? You're going to have well, to find all of that. Or just settle it out of court. You know, when Flight 261 went down, was that like 20-some years ago, um, near the end of January, most of those suits were settled out of court. I think only one family didn't, um, but most of the other ones got 
compensation for the loss of uh, family members and friends from 261's crash. So, listen, these attorneys are going to s- swoop in there and then, you know, having trouble sleeping? Yes. And stressed? Yes. And do you think you'll ever be able to fly again? No. And how's that going to affect your life? Well, my grandchildren live in Ohio and I won't be able to go see them. Well, that's going to cause a lot of heartache, isn't it? Yes, because I really want to see my grandchildren and now I can't do that. And I can't possibly drive because that's an increased risk for me. So, what, how much? So, I, I want at least a quarter of a million dollars or some other ridiculous amount of money. Um, and the people that prove that your your mask didn't work, right? They're saying a lot of people were unable to have oxygen while the thing was turning around from sixteen, going back down from sixteen thousand feet down. That they they didn't their oxygen wasn't coming out of the uh, yes the, the, the oxygen masks mask there, did huh? not work. Were they breathing normally? See, that's what you're supposed to do. They always say breathe normally. So there's a right. giant hole in the side of the plane. The things fly out of the ceiling, and you're supposed to breathe normally. <laughs> right. And, and put way, on it your may, child's and it mask may, before of yours. Yeah, and it may or may not inflate, which to me is always because it just see this bag. Yeah. And the, it never inflates, but there was a, it may or may not inflate. Well, wouldn't you want to know if it's actually going to inflate or not? But you just put well, it on and, and then you get the breathing on there. Yeah. It could also be that they it didn't inflate and therefore they're saying it didn't work where it might have worked, but they were in such a panic that they yeah. didn't they didn't understand it or it's it's really hard to just kind of stay calm and take in the oxygen. I'm surprised that Alaska Airlines has not had more culpability in this cuz keep in mind uh they knew that there was pressurization problems in that cabin and their uh their uh, result or whatever they they figured they would do is just not fly over water. Right. So I looked that up to see. So that's, I think it's triple redundancy on this. And occasionally they will have signals that say that there's some pressure problems. It's not that uncommon. Um, and they check it. But sometimes it's small leaks or the indicators are really very sensitive to what the pressure is like on those things. And some of them will get flagged. Don't fly over water because if you need to turn around and land somewhere, you'll be able to land and be much quicker, much faster uh, if when the plane, uh, you know, uh, decompresses. So th- that's the little bit I'd seen. It wasn't like, oh, there's stuff hanging off the side of the plane. I eh, let it go anywhere as long as it doesn't go over the water. I mean, I, th- I think they're they're taking responsibility for trying to fly these things safely. Well, I mean, nobody, much less an airliner, wants to have any kind of a problem. I mean, they have to take no. it seriously. So I, I don't think that there ever was anything that was intentional or negligent. But when these things happen, the ball's in the court of the people that experienced it. And then there's going to be lawyers that find a way. I mean, some of these lawyers in this article are masters at, at just airline uh, you know, problems. It, they, right, they, that's what they, they do. Yeah. So right, because I think there was remember there was four people that sued. One is sue Alaska Airlines because the pilot that was flying in the in the jump seat, you know, right. said he was having some sort of dream like right, thing, mushrooms pulled back or and mushrooms and stuff. So those four, even though they said that most people didn't really even know that this had happened, um, but apparently four people that were on board are suing Alaska Airlines. And when they were asked why are you suing, they said we're doing this so for everyone else they never have to experience this again. And then of also the head and having trouble sleeping and the rest of the crap that they throw on top in order to be able to get the lawsuit. Here's a question for you, Sherry. Would you sue if you were on board and some lawyer calls you up and goes, Hey, Sherry, listen, I got something for you there. Huh? Hey, yeah. she, yeah. Hey, she, yeah. question, John. Thank you. Uh, no, I, I, would, I would take the money that they offered me if I wasn't hurt. 
I, we we had talked about this the other day. No, it's bad karma to do things like that. Can I, I think? Can I ask you guys uh, another hypothetical that's kind of related? Yes, go ahead. Go ahead. There was a, there was a helicopter crash in the last year, and and two two gentlemen died. They were sons of this woman, and the um they she was awarded a two hundred million dollar settlement because her her kids died in this in, in this crash, and she turned it down and she said, "I don't want their death. I don't want to put a monetary value." on their death can like can you wrap your mind around that i mean even if it were to just start a charity in their name yeah. like she t- turned down 200 million well that was what probably was that the jury awarded that because i'm sure they probably the jury awards it but then you can appeal that and then the judge can knock that number down i'm just assuming it was 200 million that sounds like something the jury would come up with uh yeah, I, you know, I, one time, Ryan, when he was 18 months old, he fell into a fireplace and he had bilateral burns, third-degree burns on both of his hands because he seared his hands onto this fireplace at this restaurant in Queen Anne. And I I called the woman who owned the restaurant. She's a friend of mine. And I told her, and she said, oh, my God. I, well, I've called my insurance company, and I, I told them to promise you the moon. Because, okay, so we're going to sue to get the coverage of the cost of Rye's pain, we get this lawyer, oh, pain and suffering and everything else, you know, and the damage done to the kid. Um, we had video of Rye falling on his face because he couldn't put his hands out in front of him. And then we did four hours of back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. The lawyer asked for a quarter of a million. The people from Minnesota, the insurance company came in. And so we said, yeah, we'd like a quarter of a million. And the, the judge that they had hired to be the mediator said, okay, well, let me see. And with that, he leaves the office, gets on the elevator, goes three floors up, comes back down like 10 minutes later and goes, they're willing to offer you $7,300. <laughs> and my lawyer, our lawyer went, okay, okay, all right, all right. Um, we would like... And I go, that's a weird number. Yeah, lawyers like weird numbers. And the judge goes, all right. He doesn't care. He's getting paid. He goes up. He's immediate. He goes up, comes back. They're willing to offer you $8,274. I was like, we are going to be here a long time. (laughs) Finally, Sherry, the answer was $60,000. That's what they paid for Rye, who fell onto the fireplace. The reason he fell onto the fireplace because they didn't put the screen up. They should have the screen up. They didn't have it up. Somebody forgot to put the screen up. So it was just that glass fireplace with the glass, with the gas going. So he landed on it, and then his hands got seared onto the thing, and we had to peel, put his hands off. Oh, oh, so that's oh. little Rye at 18 months old. Yeah. So oh. that's how that worked. And, I, you know, it's so funny. I said to the lawyer, well, what's the other option on this? He goes, well, we don't want to go to ju- court. I said, why not? It's probably a Boeing jury. Boeing juries normally side with corporations. I thought, well, that's interesting. He goes, yeah, so insurance companies as a corporation, they tend to side with that. They don't like when people come in, especially like you. They're going to think you're rich because you're on TV and you're trying to hurt the corporation, which in this case is the insurance company. So we're probably better off not going before a jury. So let's just take the money. So he took a third of it, and then Rye got what was left over, and then the state made it go into some ridiculous fund that got like 1.2% a year in growth. What a ripoff. So that's the story. Rye didn't even remember it. And I remember thinking to myself, if he has permanent damage, well, then you get the the money for the permanent damage or whatever it is to be made whole. It is weird when they had... They put a dollar sign on something like this. And as the lawyer said, listen, that's the only way you do this is to 
it's the only thing that everybody understands having a value. It, it doesn't stop the pain that your son is feeling. It doesn't stop the shock of what happened to him. But it's the, it's the only way we can exchange one thing for another for the pain and discomfort that your son is feeling. So we use money. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is compensation. And hopefully it will be used to uh, get over whatever the pain and suffering happened to be. But, uh, you know, it's, it, this country is so litigious that people make judgments based on avoiding that. Right. And that's, you know, that doesn't help people usually. usually well, every it's... time they try to pass some sort of law regarding tort reform or something to do with these types of lawsuits, the, the lawyers and the lobbyists descend upon Washington, D.C., where they have so many friends, and they stop it at every single turn. So when they try to reduce the amount that you can sue in particular cases, no, they shut that one down. They always try to do everything they can when it comes to uh, what you can possibly get from a jury. They try to close those numbers. But these ins- everybody pays because the insurance goes up for the attorneys. I mean, the insurance goes up for Alaska Airlines or for Boeing and everybody else. Then we all pay it down the line. Well, people are saying that they are suffering from, you know, um, the inability to concentrate or because they've got headaches or they can't sleep because the, the plug flew out of the side of the, the uh, out of the airplane. Well, and to bring it back locally, the, the rumor mill in the law enforcement community is they are hesitant to engage with things like protests and stuff like that because they don't want to be sued. You mean the, the individuals, the, the police? Yeah. Well, they have some they have some immunity to things. Mm-hmm. They can't be sued on a personal level. Uh, they can be taken to court, obviously, as we've seen before. Right. Uh, and then it can really affect whether or not, you know, they even have a job or they end up in prison. I'd seen that documentary that's out there talking about George Floyd. And a couple of the cops that were working there in Minneapolis said the guy said, I got a call a couple of weeks ago. And he said, I, it was a large man. He was, uh, intoxicated drugs and alcohol. And I had to pull him out of the car. I'm thinking to myself, as this is happening, am I going to be going to prison, you know, for 200 months if this thing goes wrong? And he said, I, I hated the fact that while I was driving there to do my job, I had to think, if I make this stop and I try to arrest this guy, am I going to jail as well? So he ended up quitting the uh, Minneapolis police force. Yeah, I, I would imagine for a cop, it's it's very scary because they it's it's hard to know where the line is going to be and who's going to be on your side if something happens. Yeah. And it would be a, a not just losing your career, but potentially going to prison. Hey, there's good news. The feds have decided no more making jokes on the road signs. You know, the uh, feds say they're giving states two years, two years. Why does it take two years not to do these? Because <laughs> they got so many ready to go. They've hired all these punsters that put stuff up on the road sign, you know, slow down. Um, was it like drive slower? You're going to your mother-in-law's house or something. Apparently the feds don't think it's very funny and they want people of the different states to stop putting up those uh, highway signs telling people, you know, what are some of the clever ones, Sherry? Well, in Massachusetts, uh, they have use your blinker. That's spelled Y-A-H-B-L-I-N-K-A-H. Use your blinker. Um, And then in Utah, uh, driving based is for turkeys. Driving (laughs) based is for turkeys. Arizona, 
Based, like, oh, like high or high, yeah, something. Never heard that Uh, term. Must be in a Utah term. Okay. uh, Arizona says, use your headlights like Rudolph uses his nose. Uh, One of them in, uh, I guess, (laughs) this was in Wisconsin. Which one of the funny ones? Okay, hold on to your butts. (laughs) Help prevent forest fires. Slow down. This ain't Thunder Road. That was in New Jersey. That's good. And the people that write these things say this is an opportunity for people. They they like this stuff. They think it's sometimes funny, mostly never. Uh-huh. And yeah. they um, they pay more attention then because they look up at them and, and they're saying, no, this is a distraction. It shouldn't be a funny thing. We want people to pay attention and follow the rules. Yeah, because if it starts there, then eventually it's at stop signs and stuff. Well, why not just hire <laughs> better people to write the jokes? My, my problem no. with it isn't that. My problem is they're not funny. I see. So. I see. Yeah, whenever I see them, I'm always like, oh, there's some guy working for the state trying to be clever. It's probably some 27-year-old, you know, coming up with these things. And I'm like, and I'm still mad about those, you know, stay home and stay safe. Oh, right. Lord. Remember those? Well, Remember those, yeah. huh? <laughs> but, but also, they also say that a lot of these make pop culture references. Like, they might say something about a Taylor Swift song, and people don't understand them. Not everybody gets right. it. Right, and then they drive so off the, the highway. Yeah. <laughs> well, their car just explodes in midair. It just, boom, it's done. <laughs> right, and then somebody sues. There you go, full yes. circle on that one. ba 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 Look, I'm trying to. I'm doing the show by holding on to the microphone, Sherry. <laughs> <laughs> it's not unusual to be loved I'm, by anyone. I was going to say, What's your name? You even before you started dancing, that's a very Tom Jones move. Yeah. <laughs> you see the old, the old microphones that they had that, that before they were really small. They would have like this metal thing would go around the guy's neck and they would hook on with wires and stuff. Have you seen those old mics in like the 60s and stuff like that? It's pretty similar. I was trying to figure out some way to get this thing. Is that so they could do some dancing while they were microphone? Oh, Oh, don't put that whole thing in your shirt. Okay. Why don't you just take the microphone off the stand? Don't put the stand down your shirt. It's going to be uncomfortable. Stop talking to me like my mother. I'm sorry, but you... Let me know when we're back on, Andrew. Uh, it's time for Bucky's, John. Bucky's, Bucky's Auto Service Center, Sherry. They've been around for 53 years. Got 16 locations. Take that car to Bucky's. <laughs> Bucky's Auto Service Centers. All right? Hey. Okay. We did this thing yesterday. I uh, I had a listener write in saying, uh, you know, you say you have a lot of time. Do some research. Would you mind looking into something for me? This is a discussion that we were having over Thanksgiving regarding the FBI being involved in the J6 um, insurrection, um, the riot, the protest, the mostly peaceful, mostly peaceful protests there. Uh, were they involved? So I just did some research, looked around, played a bunch of cuts yesterday, sort of presented the stuff that I had found. And then that created a whole sort of onslaught of other people going, oh, then look into this and look into that. So um, Tom Wales, who no one still, I think he died in 2000, was shot and killed. Somebody fired the shot through the window of his Queen Anne home. Um, what, was that 2000? It was. So 
this uh, listener has tasked me to try to find out more about that particular story. And then Joe's like, oh, let's make a whole segment out of it. That's what Joe does. He just finds something and then decides that, oh, let's just turn it into a segment. And then, of course, when you do that, you have to add some music to it as well. So now it's become sort of a tin. What we're calling it now. What's the official title for this segment now we're going to be doing, Joe? Tinfoil hat time. Because the man in the tinfoil hat. It's a working title. Yeah, I like it. Tom Whale's story is extremely complicated, and um, friends and relatives are still hoping that somebody comes forward. They've increased the reward for any information. So I'm going to spend the weekend, by the way. Thank you very much, whoever sent that in. I'll spend the weekend uh, looking into that and try to find out anything I possibly can. For those people who aren't aware of that story, that'll be nice to be able to bring you up to speed on this now unsolved murder that occurred uh, right here in Seattle in Queen Anne, in the Queen Anne neighborhood. So... Um, any other sort of tin hat stuff you want me to look into? I called the woman, Sherry, that is convinced that they're going to cancel the election because of a UFO attack, which mm-hmm. then brings me to what Alan, my buddy that owns a Thai restaurant, the Irish guy, we had him on. He said, Ooh. you got to look into that story, the portal thing in Florida. It's crazy, crazy, man. <laughs> it's crazy what's happening. There are like hundreds and hundreds of cars there. It's nuts, nuts, nuts. So I looked into that. Did you watch that thing, Joe? Oh, yeah. It, it was over the weekend. It was over the weekend. There was a call to this mall in, Seattle, in Florida, and the number of police cars, they, said, they say that the FBI was there. They were getting people out of there. They said 60,000 homes lost power. This is all part of what people are saying happened. And here's the big part of the story. Eight to 10-foot aliens were seen there at the mall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Sherry. <laughs> oh, wait Maybe. a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you're at a shopping mall, a modern shopping mall, okay? Eight to ten foot aliens are there with crowds of people. And you know what's weird? Well, I guess it's not weird, but nobody had a phone to take a picture. Nobody had uh, some video that they could take of the aliens that are so What if they prevalent. had like an EMP that made all electronic devices inoperable? Yeah, I, 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 I just find all of these <laughs> alien stories impossible to believe until there is some kind of empirical evidence, until somebody has a... A photograph or a video or an interaction. Hey, alien, what's up? Oh, hey, what are you doing? John, you got to dance to this? We'll be talking to Dr. Alan Strengo, who has been following this story very carefully in Florida. The portal and the eight and ten foot aliens. (laughs) Coast to Coast will be right back after what seems like six and a half hours of commercials, mostly involving erectile dysfunction. (laughs) I'm George Norrie. Give out our give out our email address so people can access. I don't know it, Joe. It's right. I, okay, I'll give it out for you. It's John and Sherry Show S H A R I at nine seven three Cairo dot com. That way we can keep track of all the you know the the, the tinfoil hat leads. Joe, why did you look it up, Joe? Did you see the pictures? Sherry is doubting the whole thing. The Sherry, Miami thing. I've, I, yeah. I've watched 60,000 homes, no electricity. The number of police that arrived there. I I counted like just 30 cars in the one shot I had oh, seen. Oh, it was hundreds. Hundreds of cars. Yeah. Plus, the FBI was there. Why was everyone there? They said it was a fight at the mall. A fight? Really?
Okay, so tell me what happened. They're, they, they, people are shopping at the mall. Oh, wow, I really want to go to J. Crew. And then what happens? <laughs> Joe, why don't you pick it up from there? Then a portal opens up inside what, the mall in the food court. What is a court. portal? Well, what a por- is it, like a, 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 a tunnel? It's like a, a door. A, it's an interdimensional door. So it takes you from <laughs> this dimension into another dimension, which could be uh-huh. a parallel dimension. You know, you, right. you, it's not sure where the dimension, yeah. uh, the, where right, they came right, from. Next to Orangey. Yeah, but something. they come out of that portal, and then they scurry around the mall, and then people freak out. And of course, they set off their little EMP uh, pulses, which makes all your recording devices inoperable, all your cameras, mm-hmm. everything shut down. I probably knock out electricity for, you know, 60,000, 70,000 people nearby. And here's and the question, Sherry. Why was it not on the news? Right. All of those cops. <laughs> That's actually a good like, question. Look like 60 cop cars showing up at this thing, plus the FBI. No news. Why didn't anybody cover it? Why didn't anybody cover it with their own phone? Why didn't anybody um, say, oh, there's a portal oh, to the oh, other dimension, me. honey. The Why EMP don't we take pulse. a picture? The EMP, the EMP pulse. Yeah. Okay. I'll, do it. I'll, do a people saying... Q, I'll do a people Q now and say, yeah, well, maybe you should do some research, okay? <laughs> maybe you should just do some well, research. I, I'm sorry, QAnon. Maybe you should like get a teaspoon of reality. So... <laughs> I... <laughs> Dang, Sherry. It's just so stupid. It's so ludicrous. There's no other dimension. I mean, if there is a dimension, it's fine. It didn't open up in a Florida mall where there's hundreds of people. uh, This would be the biggest news story of the decade, okay? Uh, If, yes, it would be. If it happened. Because it didn't happen. Okay, why were all the cops there? I, I don't know. Maybe they thought it was a bigger fight. Maybe they thought it was a riot starting. Mm-hmm. Why did 60,000 people lose electricity? Well, people lose like, electricity all the time. A power line mm-hmm. goes down. Whenever <laughs> portals open. Oh, okay. I forgot about that one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just, I don't see it happening. And so you think all these police cars, all all the no, people that were, out, that were called out to this scene, they all know that they're, they're all hiding something, right? They're all hiding that they saw this too, and they're just not going to bring it up. Everybody's coordinated that way. Sherry Elliker, obviously not believing what happened in Florida. Of course it I'm didn't George happen. I'm We'll be right back. First time caller line, west of the Mississippi. All right, Sherry, can you yes. stay with us over the break? Because it's 2 o'clock in the morning and no one's listening. Can you do that? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be here. I'll be down there. Yeah. Okay. So we're gonna are we breaking away live at some point, Joe? Big news regarding Yeah, uh, we're gonna Kate Kate Kate's the back end. She's gonna break it for us. Okay, we have breaking, breaking news. Yes, we've just gotten the official word that University of Washington head coach Kalen DeBoer is headed to Alabama. The University of Alabama Twitter page confirming it, saying, welcome, Coach DeBoer. In Seattle's University District today, we had fans reacting to the news. Kind of bummed. I wish I could have seen more seasons with him. It looked like we had a lot of potential, um, but I understand and I wish him the best. 
Now, Coach DeBoer replaces retiring coach Nick Saban at Alabama. DeBoer had a 25-3 and run with the Huskies, including a 14-1 and record this past season, including a 34-13 to loss just early a few days ago in the college football playoff national championship to Michigan. So definitely leaving behind this program in a sorry state mm. with uh, a rough time for Seattle sports fans with both Pete Carroll and now Kalen DeBoer leaving. So we are waiting on official statements. We understand there may be a statement from Coach DeBoer, but we are waiting to get that officially. But that is the news. Kalen DeBoer officially heading to Alabama to take the head coaching job there. When you read the bio of this guy, he really came up from coaching high school, then small colleges. He worked his way up, and people that got to know him really talked about how he built that team. And didn't they just recently get – weren't they going to give him a raise? Wasn't he going to get like an extra $2 million or something like that to keep him there? They they really felt like they had a hot property on their hands uh, with the board there coaching the Huskies, and obviously it worked out for everyone, all Husky fans, with having an incredible uh, winning season like that. But then when Saban's case opens up and they're looking around, they see someone like this, someone young that's got just great dynamic uh, know-how of uh, football, and to be able to have the Huskies in that place, it hurts the Huskies because now when it comes to uh, recruiting, you get some young, hotshot high school player. It's like, hey, come come play for the Huskies. Well, who's the coach? The coach is the central part of that piece. Often these coaches will go to high school kids' homes and talk to the parents and say, listen, we want you to come here. This is what the program's about. This is what we're going to do for your kid. That coach becomes sort of the, the figurehead for the entire program, and now the Huskies are on the search for – a college football coach and we and we lost most of our our starters too right right michael Penix jr dylan johnson are declaring for the draft yes and also it's interesting you say that john because a top uw recruit uh zadreas rainy sale he actually decided to decommit from the program following the DeBoer news so he actually announced uh he's reopening today reopening his recruitment uh he announced four days ago he'd be joining uw but uh he tweeted, with the uncertainty surrounding the UW football program, I've decided to decommit and open back up my recruitment. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Definitely tough times ahead for Husky fans. Oh, so why, my God. why did he leave? Is it Does he get more money? Oh, does yeah. he? Well, oh. the Alabama football program is one of the most coveted in the entire right. nation. It is you know, a, a, a legendary and storied program, and it's also a member of the SEC, which is a power five I would, Im- I would imagine they offered him four, five, six times whatever UW did. Easy. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. Can't Go Bama. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Yeah. That money goes a lot further in Alabama, too. Jeez. But, I mean, think about it, though. Look at the shoes he has to fill. Yeah. That's... Right? Nick Saban's shoes. To get in there. With- now, the program is rolling. They they didn't have the incredible season that everybody hoped they would be having. But still, you're going to be taking over for Nick Saban and in that Alabama culture. Um, uh, and I'm trying to remember his bio to see if he's actually had experience with that sort of thing. But what an opportunity for him to be able to get that call. So wishing the best. And now this is an opportunity for the Huskies to be able to find another coach. And hopefully more people do not. What is it called? De-certify? Decommit. 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 Yes. Right. Wow. Listen, let's just hope a portal doesn't open up somewhere. (laughs) Maybe the transfer portal. Actually, uh, yeah, yeah, there's a couple of players being lost to the transfer portal as well. So there is a portal. (laughs) There it is. Kate, do you know what we're talking about? You're just coming in the middle of our portal conversation. 
I mean, anytime someone did says you, portal, I'm here. Did oh. you hear about the portal that opened up in the mall in, in Florida over the weekend? Ooh, like a time portal? No, it's like eight-foot aliens, yeah, yeah. Oh, Kate, no. come on. Dimension. Oh, dear. Oh. Yeah. Get yeah. on that. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> all right. Sherry, Sherry's not a believer. That's all right.